Galaxy Quest Galaxy Quest yeah Galaxy Quest Galaxy Galaxy Quest yeah Galaxy Quest oh Galaxy Quest yeah Galaxy Quest Galaxy Quest Tim Allen Eric I got a Galaxy question for you <laughs> What's that Are you excited to listen to this episode of the podcast Yes Okay let's get into it Bad science Science, or will we have to fight? Hi, everybody, welcome to Bad Science. I'm Ethan Edinburgh, and today we're talking about the Oscar winning film Galaxy Quest, uh, which, uh, if I'm not mistaken, won in every category. Joining me today, we have the unbelievable, hilarious, one of my favorite stand-ups and an unbelievable writer as well, Lori Kilmartin. Thank you. Although, although being described as unbelievable, I think is not helpful <laughs> on a right. science podcast. <laughs> no, it's I, honestly, it's not helpful in any case. Like, it's totally <laughs> this, believable that you're a great comic. <laughs> complete liar, Lori Kilmartin. <laughs> <laughs> Everything she says is not true. It's Lori Kilmartin. Uh, no, thank you for being here, Lori. I know you were just traveling and the, the travel was, was rough for you, so... So the fact that you're here means so much to me. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, And of course, joining us here to talk about Galaxy Quest, someone who has previously talked about Galaxy Quest, uh, the doctor of astrophysics, Jeff Silverman. Hi. Uh, yeah, happy to be here and love talking about the science of movies. So this is great. Yeah, you have uh, like a live show or a, what, what do you yeah. do that's, uh, yeah, describe that for me. So uh, I co-host a monthly event uh, at the Alamo Drafthouse Theater in right here in San Francisco. And we show a movie and then spend about 15, 20 minutes afterwards talking about the science of the movie, good mm-hmm. and bad. Okay, uh, Everything from proper sci-fi to we did Groundhog Day this month. Oh, fantastic. Okay, so let's just copy and paste the one that you did on Galaxy Quest right here and we can all just take off. Easy peasy. Let's do it. Fine, but we don't even need to do this. Um, so so Galaxy Quest, Lori, you have not seen Galaxy Quest. No. Which is totally fine. It just felt like a very wacky, zany. I had fun watching it today. I hadn't seen it since I was little. Uh, but but I really, I was so shocked to go online and find this just huge cult following of this movie. Is it, would I say cult following? Is that yeah, correct? Yeah, I, I definitely think so. I mean, I remember okay. watching it when it came out and I thought it was fun and cool and I liked Star Trek when I was younger and still do. Yeah. And watching it more recently, more as an adult, uh, I, I think I picked up more on the, it's not only, you know, it's it's not a parody. It is a satire mm-hmm. and it does sort of, you know, it's an homage. It, it's, it loves the fans that are so into the movie yes, that literally true. they're saved at the end, you know, spoiler alert, by a kid, Justin Long, in his first film role. Yep. Uh, this kid who's obsessed with the show to the point of he's, you know, messaging on AOL Instant Messenger, his friends, to figure out the ship blueprint so that he can get the guys home safely. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, it's really propping up these people who are so obsessed and have oftentimes been, you know, mocked or made fun of in various pop culture scenarios. And so I think that's why a lot of, you know, Star Trek and sci-fi fans like it. Uh, Certainly, yeah, like you said, a lot of the Star Trek original series and next-gen actors really like it and thought it was funny and, you know, enjoyed the, the, you know, loving mocking or, you know, satire that they saw on screen. Yeah, I don't want to call out uh, William Shatner, but from what I was reading, (laughs) it seems like the people that worked with William Shatner really connected with the film and felt 
felt like Tim Allen's character, who towards you know the first half of the film is not a nice guy to work with, let's yeah. say. Right. Yeah. They all connected with it and said like that's how it was. He's always taking his shirt off unnecessarily. <laughs> yeah. And bossing people around. I George guess. Takei has some great quotes about you know he was rolling in the aisles watching this film because he could see Shatner up there and yeah. <laughs> so well, maybe one day. Do you feel like seeing the satire first kind of ruined actual Star Trek when you finally saw the like the real serious thing? Um, I mean, I still have not seen much Star Trek. The only oh, Star wow. Trek I've seen are, are the new iterations, the J.J. Mm-hmm. Abrams right. uh, Star Trek, which I love, by the way. I really dig, especially that first one. It sounds so weird to say, like, first one of the <laughs> new ones. It's, like, very confusing, but you know exactly what I'm talking yeah. about. Uh, so that one I really, really dug. Um, I don't know. I mean, I could see both sides. Like, for me, it was just, like, a fun, entertaining film, and I've, I've you know, oh, there's a good time, there's some laughs. It's like, I'm not going to rewatch this for fun, personally. But to go online, that was the shocking thing. It was, like, it's like I'm looking up Goodfellas or like, you know, <laughs> uh, Citizen Kane or something. The reaction online was like, this is gold. This is the gold standard. So I thought that was a little much, maybe. Although, I mean, if you if you incorporate everyone that has the internet, like if 100,000 people love Galaxy Quest, that, mm-hmm. that's a very tiny percentage versus the people that love Goodfellas. Like, right. It, sure. Yeah. Yes. I think that's I think that's why it is a cult classic or should be considered, you know, a cult favorite. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, at, at the official annual Star Trek convention a number of years ago, it was voted the number seventh best Star Trek movie. Like, it, it got enough votes to be on the ballot as an official Star Trek movie wow. and was right in the middle of the distribution of votes. So, you know, hardcore Star Trek fans love this thing and makes sense yeah um so i want to play to to break the ice and i'm so glad that you had a a visceral reaction when i mentioned tim allen Mm -hmm. because i have a a little game here that i'm calling galaxy questions he's the william shatner of comedy so (laughs) (laughs) it it really it's really great cast perfect cast yeah the the cast is pretty impressive (laughs) um okay so galaxy questions uh they're all tim allen related so in some way or another uh and and either of you can answer this is not you know science based uh, as many of our games are this is just uh i don't know i just thought it was i hadn't seen tim allen in a long time i guess and so watching him i thought like oh i'm gonna do some digging here yeah okay so Tim Allen went to jail in 1978. <laughs> uh, why did he go to jail? What was his crime? I know this. I do oh. not. Uh, uh, cocaine trafficking. That is correct. Wow. Uh, Tim Allen had a, almost a pound and a half of cocaine on him, and he was supposed to have a life sentence, and then it got reduced to like three to seven. He actually got out in two years and four months because he started uh, giving people up. He started working with the police, and he gave up 21 people who were involved. Uh, I can't wow. believe he's still alive. In yeah. Yeah. I mean, 21 I know. people must want to kill him, right? Yeah, at, at least. least. And those aren't even people that have seen his shows. (laughs) (laughs) Not to mention, like, how do you know so many people involved? Like, if you put yourself in the shoes of a drug dealer, like, what's the team? You know, (laughs) six, seven people? You have 21. Yeah, that's an impressive squad. That's a huge squad. (laughs) How did he go on the road in the 90s in front of just open audiences and not worry that one of them knew a friend or something? Yeah, I don't. I mean, he had a mustache in the mugshot and then never did again. So maybe he thought, uh, and they don't know. I don't know if this is part of your trivia, no, but he please. did have a different name. He had a, his actual oh. name is not Tim Allen. It's oh, uh, either Tim Dick or or it's his last name is Dick. Right? Yeah, it's like Timothy. 
Maybe it's Timothy Dick Allen, Allen Dick. Dick. Yeah. yeah. So maybe if he was Tim Timmy Dick in the drug trade, <laughs> they would have killed him. And then him. Tim Allen uh, in a comedy club, no one would know. You're right. Wow. You're right. Maybe good move, Tim Allen. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he made it. Uh, you know. Um, okay. So at the time, at the high time of Home Improvement, uh, how much was Tim Allen making per episode? Ooh. Huh. Uh, my guess is at least a million an episode. Okay. Yeah, yeah, two million maybe. Uh, Lori's got this one. It's a mil point two five. There you go. One point two five mil. And, and that's in nineteen ninety five money. Right. Yeah. So it's oh, more. Damn. It's probably honestly maybe you were closer in actual like today money dollars. <laughs> um, and then he they did eight seasons and they wanted him to do a ninth and they offered him like fifty million dollars and he said no. So I thought that was uh, also. He wanted to get back into cocaine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he missed it. He missed the, the thrill. thrill. Get back to your roots. <laughs> um, okay, this is a Tim Allen quote that I want you guys to fill in. My mom said the only reason men are alive is for blank. I, here's the thing. I don't yep. want to even get into his brain. This <laughs> yeah. right wing and sexist. To go like, into this. I don't want to know what his mama said, and it's a lie anyway. She probably didn't talk to him because he was an awful child. <laughs> I hope that's the quote. <laughs> I can't follow that. My mom said the only reason men are alive is for lawn care and vehicle maintenance. Very uh, home improvement based. <laughs> sure. And then, so my last one, and I think this is going to be a slam dunk for you, Lori, based on what you just said. <laughs> Who did Tim Allen support in the 2016 election? <laughs> I think he supported Donald Trump. He did support Donald Trump. And I did not know any of this information about Tim Allen. I knew Tim Allen from my childhood and the five Christmas movies he did. And so to find out that he was a cocaine peddler and a right-wing activist, well, it's probably not an activist. I doubt he really does anything. But but that was very alarming for me. That, That hurt. My heart. <laughs> you know? So Tim Allen's show right now, Last Man Standing, is one of the very few conservative-leaning sitcoms on television. I work for a TV tech company these days, Whoa. and we look at, you know, the backgrounds of people who are watching different stuff, and it was basically that show, and then Roseanne, Roseanne. when she came back, and that lasted a season with her, uh-huh. and so it really fell back to Tim Allen's show is the only really conservative-leaning, like, sitcom on, on broadcast TV. I don't know why, because conservatives are so funny. Like, they always make me laugh. I don't know why there's not way more sitcoms. Well, I mean, Laurie, if you're in the biz, maybe you can do something about that. Start pitching. Start writing some conservative pilots. We need more. There's only one. Or unless, what's the, isn't Roseanne coming back now? Uh, They're calling it something else. The Connors without Roseanne. So they just wrapped that last season, uh, the first season of that just finished up. Okay. uh, Is that conservative uh, leading? I I I haven't watched it. I I I think it's less conservative without Roseanne specifically, but I actually don't know that one. Because it was like the huge, from what I was told, Roseanne was like the number one show and like was destroying. So maybe conservative uh, comedies are the new thing for America. So uh, (laughs) I I, I just want to go home right now. (laughs) I'm sorry. Honestly, a lot of the podcasts, like sometimes it does get bleak, but usually it's for environmental reasons or climate change, not because of uh, the the orange uh, monster in the office right now. Um, Okay. So, well, this this one is probably just more for you, but I I just wanted to, and and producer Brett, of course, reminded me to to quickly summarize this film for for maybe others who haven't seen it. So it is essentially like a Star Trek episode. Mm -hmm. Um, They... 
and this is like really strange to me. So they're interacting with fans, and this is at the beginning of the film. Mm-hmm. And this is like after the show has already aired. It's like 15 years later or something. Yeah, the show is in like in the mid to late 80s, and this is the uh, movie came out in 99. Okay, and then. There's a group of fans that are like really committed to their roles as aliens. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's a lot of people dressed up, but these people kind of stick out. They make it a point. And then it turns out that they are actually aliens and that they actually want to recruit uh, Tim Allen and crew uh, to help them, you know, solve some monster who's trying to kill them. Alien monster. Right. Um and and this I had a, I had an issue with this and this is just completely a non science uh, thing here but I want to know how you feel about it as a big fan of the film they they have like really advanced technological uh, stuff and they are so dumb they have no idea what a show is they don't know that they're actors they think that they're real uh, commanders and I understand that you need it uh, for the plot but yeah. I just wanted to know if that bothered you at all yeah it's a little bit strange that they've developed so much you know they can fly through black holes and through star systems and they have spacecraft much more advanced than anything you know humanity has ever done so far but yeah they they don't seem to have any kind of cult, popular culture or anything they don't understand that people can act and play different roles like and right. they think that these are you know historical stories of what's going on not a TV show yeah uh, well, and, and so, also just in their communication yeah they just seem like slow like purposefully slow humans yeah it's a you know I think it's fine to set up the plot and like kick things off and then they kind of stick with it, which I appreciate they commit to it. Right. Um, but it is a little bit weird. It's something that I always think of, of like, yeah, you know, if you wanted to do something a little more serious, maybe you wouldn't do it that way. But yeah. again, it's sort of a parody satire. Right. It's fine. And and speaking of being more serious, I also saw that originally they wanted the film to be like more violent and like Yeah, it was more, much darker apparently in earlier drafts. Which is even crazier to me yeah. to think about because it's so comedic. It seems yeah. so silly the whole time. Uh, so I thought that was really weird. So did they accidentally make a comedy? Like were they going for something else? I don't and know. So the things that I've read said that there were some rewrites and they decided to make to take out some of the darkness and violence and they ended up going for a PG thirteen rating and then kind of kept pushing the comedic side from there. Yeah. But further than that, I, I haven't heard anything beyond that. There are some really funny edits, actually, where mm-hmm. someone is clearly saying the F word, like <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Sigourney Weaver yeah. is in it, and she's like, right, you know, almost talking to camera. And she says, <laughs> well, fuck that. But they re- they'd ADR'd it to say, screw that. Yeah, there's <laughs> a couple of really bad dubs in there it's for like, that. <laughs> obviously, they were trying to make one movie, and then they, yeah, like you're saying, slid the scale a little bit. <laughs> and they couldn't get Sigourney back in the studio. Yeah, like, uh, screw that. <laughs> I'm doing this you from home. <laughs> um, okay, so so yeah, basically they they go on like a Star Trek adventure. They go to a planet. They need to retrieve some big metal. I don't know what the hell it's called. A, a beryllium sphere. Thank you, beryllium. That's, that's what powers their engine, apparently. Sure, a beryllium <laughs> sphere. They need to collect. Is that a to, real thing? Uh, beryllium is an element on the periodic table. Mm. It doesn't really grow into gigantic spheres. Uh, I did Ooh. calculate though a sphere that big. It's like about as you know, about three feet tall, it would weigh a ton, and they're just rolling it around like like it's made of you know styrofoam and plaster or whatever. So but that, that makes me laugh. Too dumb to know that they're not strong enough to do. That. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's sure. Valid argument. 
what is beryllium for, or what is it used in? I don't know anything yeah, about so it. Yeah, it's, so it's a rare metal, but you know, it's found on Earth. Um, it is used in electronics. Like It is useful for certain things. It's used in um, uh, particle accelerators as well. So you know, they have some techno babble about it's in the engine, and it's a neutron reactor. And like some of that makes some sense. It is used in nuclear reactor-related things. Okay. But it's like tiny amounts, and it's with a bunch of other stuff, and lasers, and it's not just like they really just have this what looks like a giant beach ball <laughs> right. thing that they're rolling around that's like silver and dusty. So that maybe not as accurate, but some of the techno babble made some sense around that, I guess. Okay. It seems like they didn't have a budget for an expert. I mean, <laughs> yeah, we we work cheap for you know these kinds of uh, experts. So, uh, guys making movies, you hear that? There Call them up. It's not that hard to make it just a little bit exactly. more legitimate. Exactly. Um, okay, so they they save the day. They get this thing. They've killed. I don't know what his name. I'm forgetting the whole movie here. Saurus. 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 The main baddie. Huge, like grotesque looking lizard alien guy. (laughs) Um, And then, of course, it ends really just like it began. They like literally crash the spaceship into a like Comic Con and come out. uh, As soon as they come out of the spaceship, they're back at Comic Con. So Mm -hmm. it's like a very nice. uh, And I will say. Alan Rickman is in this film, yep. and he it's, is. Amazing. It's one of my. It's I love him. possibly my favorite Alan Rickman role. Yeah. I mean, oh, really? I love. I love Snape. I just watched Die Hard recently again. Same. I love Hans Gruber, but <laughs> this one, he's just so. Yeah, just the way that he plays the character, he's so angry but lovable, and yeah. you know, he's he's playing he's, from what I understand a uh, like a version of Patrick Stewart who was in Star Trek, who was like this really well trained theatric uh, yeah. actor who is pigeonholed to this kind of I mean, silly Shatner sci-fi. is Shakespearean trained as well. Oh, so, I didn't know. Yeah, that. they okay. So that's both. sort of that aspect of it. Of you know, he's I like can't believe real, I'm doing yeah. this garbage. I should be doing Shakespeare in the Park, etc. Yes, yes, taking himself both. way too seriously and does it just so only. Only the way that Alan Rickman could. You know, Shatner actually acted like his second wife drowned accidentally. So uh, you might want to look that up. Uh, Somebody get on that. (laughs) I need, I don't have that in my notes. I don't know why, but um, so, uh, so yeah, there's a, I mean, so, yeah, that's basically the end of the film. I mean, we we don't need to, like, summarize. There's not crazy plot holes or anything we're going to get into here. Um, I thought it was kind of cool, and, and maybe you can comment on this, when I was younger, autographs were very important. Yeah. Uh, That was a huge ordeal. I remember going to middle school and like somebody would come back from a trip and they would have one of those books and they would say like, oh, I met Goofy or whatever. And they have like the (laughs) signature of Goofy and I was excited. I I really appreciated that. And they they show that a couple times in the film at the conventions. Mm -hmm. And I just, I don't know, it bothered me thinking about how like, oh, that's dated now. Like nobody cares about that anymore. And and maybe I'm wrong because I don't go to Comic Con. Or, or other fan conventions, including you know Star Trek ones, mm-hmm. you pay extra and wait in hours-long lines to get these you know signatures and oh, okay. you know, take your picture with them. Yeah, and it seems more picture-oriented than there's definitely that's more. What I'm it's more of that, and you know whatever Instagram culture, etc. But the, there are still plenty of people that do wait and get the headshots. Uh, as far as I know, I yeah. I won't stand in those lines usually, but I, I think that's just that so much more. Um, I don't know. I want to say like acceptable, or or it just seems like a, a nicer societal like to see a famous person walking out of a diner and just say, "Oh my God, Brad Pitt! I'm such a huge fan. Can you sign this? Can you sign my shirt?" It's, I, I don't. There's something um, nostalgic, or just like uh, as opposed to asking them to smile, right? right to yeah, look at the I, camera. I, I hate that. Yeah, I'm I, gl- grateful to not be famous enough to, uh, <laughs> or, or will I ever be to have to make that terrible choice? But yeah, I, is, I, it, is it that they're asking you to perform? Is 
uh, you know, as opposed to just I don't know put what it is. Down, yeah, yeah, it is kind of a performance. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, I can see that. I mean, yeah, from what I've seen of of other p- famous people being flooded, it, mm. it's like, oh, you know, he just wanted to walk out yeah. <laughs> and go to his car yeah. and didn't want to have to. And isn't it nicer? It's a more yeah. human yes. connection to just maybe not even sign, but just shake somebody's hand and yeah. say, hey, it's nice to meet you. I'm a huge yeah. fan. Yeah. Love what you yeah. do. I like that. That moment is now in my memory. That's mm-hmm. cool. Instead of like, you know, I want to show my friends that I'm in the yeah, same area possession. as this person. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. And, and and half the time the camera isn't angled right or they can't figure out their own camera yeah, or they're nervous sure. or the, you right. know, like, so the, whatever the person is standing there, just like, oh, can I just be with my family? Yeah. Just mm-hmm. leave yeah. me, leave me be. Okay. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. The break is over. I hope you had a snack. Here we go, back to the show about science. Okay, so <laughs> this is going to be ridiculous, and I feel stupid asking it, but there's a moment in the film where they, like, I don't want to say warp them, but, like, people can travel from Earth to their spaceship because they're covered in this gel. Right. And so I didn't know, and they go into a black hole, I think. That's also true. Covered in this gel. Correct. <laughs> so is that based on any sort of realistic findings, or is it like a Star Trek reference I didn't get? I was so, confused by that. Yeah, so the gel stuff that, like, covers them and effectively becomes their pod, travel pod. Yes. So uh, that goes over their pod, not, like, on No, no, on, on their body. Ooh, They're, like, covered really? in, like... Yeah, and, you okay. know, the sound Secret effects are loud. Slime. Okay, yeah. okay. All right, so, so it's like being slimed on Nickelodeon exactly. or something? Exactly. Oh, my God. And that protects you from uh, interstellar travel space. Okay. Apparently. Yes. So Perhaps a good trade-off. Maybe. <laughs> uh, I mean... So, so yeah, that, I... I I don't know any, you know, that it's any direct reference to anything. It's certainly pure science fiction uh, at this point. I don't mm-hmm. know of anything that's anything like that. <laughs> okay. Um, but the one part of that that is really cool and I did appreciate and the, I think by accident got some science right, uh, was the, the black hole thing of traveling through a black hole. So this has been theorized since the 70s, basically. Um, a number of astrophysicists have, you know, looked at the equations of general relativity from Einstein. That predicts black holes. We've observed black holes in various ways. They're there. Mm-hmm. And the ability for black holes to connect distant parts of space. You, you guys had an episode on contact, and they talk about this as well. Right. These uh, wormholes. And in theory, you know, it can work in some level that you can send stuff through it, and it can connect vastly far places in space through a black hole. And so you really can sort of transporter, transport yourself through a black hole. It's like a bullet train in a way? It's it's even better than that. It's an in- instantaneous bullet train to LA, right? Which, wow. like, that would be awesome, yeah. right? Um, and, you know, no traffic, right? So that would be cool. <laughs> and the way that they, you know, not only is that, you know, we, we don't know exactly how to do it physically, but sort of the math works out that it's theoretically possible. But the other thing that the movie does specifically, which I really, really appreciated, is when they go through it, you know, it, it looks like a black hole. There's kind of stuff falling in and, you know, it's not really a hole. And, you know, there's some issues there. But the one thing that they do that is right and really cool is right next to this black hole is what looks like a kind of big star with, like, stuff being, like, sucked off of it. Uh-huh. And that we actually see throughout the galaxy all the time. You have stars that are in, in what we call binary pairs. They're born together, orbit around each other their whole lives. The sun was born alone. It's going to stay alone forever. That's its choice, and we're okay with that. <laughs> but for these binary systems... 
one can turn into a black hole, one star, and the other one, if it's a little too close, the material on that star does get pulled into the black hole and it gives off x-rays and we can observe this stuff. It's like a twin eating its own twin? Exactly. Yeah. They're born at the same time. One evolves a little bit faster because it's a little bit older, becomes the black hole and starts eating its twin. Crazy. And so the fact that they just kind of like, it was kind of a visualization on the screen for like a few seconds while they're, you know, zipping through the black hole. You know, every astronomer is like, oh, that's a, you know, x-ray binary. That's so cool. Wow. Sun have eaten its its own like it was would it have been a triplet? So and it that's why it's so big. Yeah. Oh, I love this theory. And I answered it. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> so we're pretty confident the sun was born alone. Okay. Um, if it did have some really big star that it was born with, that would have exploded and turned into a black hole at some point. That would have messed up the planets. We wouldn't be here. There would have definitely been some evidence of that happening. So we're pretty confident that didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do see triple star systems where two get along and are really close and kick the third one out. So wow. there's some weird family dynamics going on there. Wow. How do you, so, what do you mean kick it out? How does that happen? Uh, through the force of gravity, you have these weird interactions of all the three orbiting around each other. And when you have uh, two that are pretty close to each other and the third one's a bit further out, you can get these sort of weird interactions, sort of, um, you know, uh, like when you're pushing on a swing, if you push at the right time, they go higher and higher. You get these sort of little kicks that kind of add up. And if they add up enough, you can actually launch the third star out of the system and the two get a little bit closer. Wow. And so you have all these weird combinations wow. of stars out there in these different systems. It's like a, it's like a relationship. Yeah, you can't, families, <laughs> relationships, three, it doesn't work. You, you know, it, two it makes a lot of sense. It's kind of yeah. what happened to Kourtney Kardashian, right? Like, what happened uh, to her? Chloe and Kim kind of just got bigger and bigger and they kicked her out. Yeah, oh, yes. that makes sense. That's the third exactly. star. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> exactly right. Uh, okay. At one point, uh, these aliens, which I don't know what they're made, I guess they're sort of, they speak English, so it's human-ish uh, enough, get sucked into space. And so I have a question there as far as like what happens to us when we're sucked into space? Mm-hmm. Because then later on, they they come back and they like hit the windshield uh, of this spaceship. So I thought for a second, like, I don't know if... Like, do we would we just freeze into like a, a being and then get, come back around? Do we like dissipate? Do we? How does that work? Yeah. So most places in space are pretty empty and pretty cold. That's basically what space is. It's cold and empty. Uh, and so you know, exposing humans out there, you pretty much do freeze pretty quickly. And so you would be pretty much frozen solid ice person. Um, The way you die is, you know, there's no oxygen. You're, you know, you will have some weird gases, uh, nitrogen and oxygen bubbling and boiling in your system because there is no pressure anymore. So the fact that there's no pressure doesn't mean you just explode, which a lot of sci-fi, including Total Recall, another classic, uh, shows. But, you know, that will cause, you know, sort of, it's the same effect as the bends when you're diving, you come up too quickly, the oxygen, the uh, nitrogen starts coming out of the blood and that can give you cramps and then eventually kill you. Right. And so that's really what's going on that kills you in addition to not being able to breathe. Okay. But that'll kill you faster. So you're dead for that. You don't <laughs> explode. And then you basically freeze and you're floating around ice person. So you never decompose? No. I mean, unless you get close enough to a source of wow. heat like a star or something that will warm you up. Yeah. You're just kind of frozen and floating out there. And what that's, if you hit something? I want that. You want to go out in space yeah, when you're done? I just want to be frozen, just floating around. <laughs> okay. That, we can, that would I be mean, awesome. way to go. I feel like he can hook that up. <laughs> I, got, I got NASA buddies. I can do something. Okay. I mean, it's not a bad way to go. I think I mean, yeah. it's pretty cool. It's pretty soon, too, because I'm going to start to deteriorate physically. So, <laughs> so you don't want I wanna that. Be, I want to look slightly attractive. You know, <laughs> If I mean, someone finds you. I only have like corpse. a couple good yeah. years left, so let's get to it soon. I think you have plenty of time, Lori. Please. Uh, give, us, give us some more Lori. (laughs) 
for at least another decade or two, and then please shoot your body there out. You go. Space. <laughs> All right. Um, and and my question is, if if Lori's frozen dead body is out there in space, if she hit something mm-hmm. like this spaceship, would she just bounce off like she normally would, or would she like crack to pieces? Because in my mind, when something's frozen like that, I don't know. I just see it crumbling. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it depends, you know, how long they've been out there. Are they frozen through? How fast do they hit this thing? And, you know, that's sort of hand-wavy, fuzzy. You might shatter, you know, Terminator 2T1000 style, or you might not. Right, right. Um, so I'm not totally sure. I think it's okay. reasonable that they would hit it and bounce off. I think it'd be also reasonable if it's my shattered. butt, I would definitely bounce off. There you go. Sure. That's yeah. right. No way we're freezing through that. <laughs> <laughs> my nose, it would be, everything would be shattered. But my butt would bounce. Um, okay, so they get the show, the TV show, transmitted to them, this like mm-hmm. alien race. They like pick up the transmissions. Mm-hmm. And that's also been like in contact. That's that was, right. That was another thing. They, mm-hmm. they receive uh, Hitler giving a speech at the Olympics yep. uh, transmitted to them. That's like the first thing they got. Mm-hmm. So my, my question here is like, what are we transmitting out into space? How far does it go? Uh, and... Uh, and how can we how can we do more of that? Because <laughs> I know we sent out right like that that record of yeah. audio a long time. Ago. I don't. I know there's a name for it. I don't know. Uh, yeah. So the golden record on the Voyager one and Voyager two satellites. Yeah. That was yeah. Back in the late seventies, it launched. Yeah. And that that's not like wavelengths. We just like literally sent out a physical copy. Yeah. You can see copies of it in museums on Earth. Like yeah, they made a bunch of backups. It's, it's really just cool. porn music, too, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. there's definitely some good <laughs> funk music on there because it was the late seventies. So. <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> Lucky aliens. Um, yeah, okay, so there's a few things here. Um, okay. So, you know, the point in, in contact that they make, and then they also bring this up uh, in Galaxy Quest, is, yeah, a, any of these sort of um, radio or, or TV transmissions that are at certain wavelengths, which parts of TV are, they will escape out of the atmosphere and just go out into space. Okay. Just, you know, radio and TV waves are just like light waves that we see with our eyes, just like X-rays. It's all a form of light. Hmm. So that just goes out into space, basically in all directions, uh, it gets fainter and weaker, just like if you have a light bulb that's further away, it appears fainter. Those light waves kind of lose energy as they travel to you, and they get fainter and get spread out more. Same thing with the the TV um, that we're sending out. And so, you know, on a you know, Pluto, you could probably with a decent antenna pick up most of the television. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, further star systems, it's going to be a lot weaker signal, but not impossible. They're there. So if you had a strong wow. enough receiver, you could pick these up potentially. Okay. And so we are sending that out onto space. Um, interestingly, as a lot of the TV has switched to sort of digital and, and you know, physical cable only and not big radio antennas or, or, or towers, we're not sending that stuff out into space as much. Um, there's still plenty of what we call this radio leakage or TV leakage that we're kind of just sending out willy nilly. Um, so it is out there, you know, an alien race on a star system a couple 20, 30 light years away could theoretically pick these up with a big enough antenna and, you know, watch our shows. Um, as far as what we're trying to do, there was the the Voyager golden records that were sent out as like physical hard copies that they would, they had images on them and, you know, music. Uh, on the record. Um, but SETI, the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence, which is central to contact, oh, yeah. um, part of SETI organization and people who do that kind of research are specifically sending out messages. They had done it a couple times decades ago, and uh, some people are still doing that to this day. Of basically, we're going to you know laser focus, because when we're sending out the, the TV waves, it's kind of going in all directions you know, willy-nilly. But if you can literally take a laser, but instead of a red laser beam, it's you know a message or you know, pulses, Morse code or whatever, right. you can really aim it very directly, and you put all that energy, instead of going off every direction, into one narrow beam. And 
point it directly at nearby star systems. Oh. And so that's been done a couple of times. There's some people who think that that's a bad idea. There's some people who are actively working on this. Why would that be a bad idea? Because uh, their whole plan is to try to find extraterrestrials. Right. And so uh, there are some people that think that uh, maybe we shouldn't be trying to actively find them because every time humanity has had a more technologically advanced group interact with a less technologically advanced group, the less technologically advanced group usually gets screwed pretty hard. Mm-hmm. So if we're like, hey, we don't really know what we're doing, we're going to shoot our like laser message out at this like like planetary system that can come visit us, we might just be like, hey, bring your smallpox blankets to Earth, right, <laughs> like, right. have fun. So there are some scientists who think that's maybe not a great idea. I don't know. I'm kind of on the fence on this one. But huh. uh, there is you know, legitimate research going into sending messages out to you know, directed at uh, these other systems. Cool. I'm into that. I would love to find some aliens via, I don't know, music or TV or whatnot. Yeah. I don't know how I feel. Okay. Because, uh, I mean, in in movies, there are always good aliens or they're always really horrible. Maybe, (laughs) I mean, that's a good point that you made out. Like, they they might come and... destroy us uh, I would rather that we destroy ourselves like we seem to be doing I mean, I mean yeah, let's we got just that. let climate change do what's gonna do let's not I, I, would, I would put my money on humanity de- destroying itself but yeah. you know yeah yeah I'd rather <laughs> it be a, a, a suicide yeah you guys think it'll happen <laughs> it seems like it's sooner and sooner all the time oh my god it's <laughs> unbelievable a uh, few study planets that destroy themselves. <laughs> 10 years? What do we have? 20 years? Should we have kids? What's the point? <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, I, I try to be an optimist. I think I'm a pessimist at heart, but I try to be an optimist and think, you know, there's a lot of smart people doing good stuff and good people out there, and maybe we'll last another 100 years. <laughs> oh, boy, I hope you're right. That's uh, That would be incredible. But I, I mean, I've just filled out my Ancestry.com tree. <laughs> like, please. <laughs> Can I just at least get 500 years out of it, out of all the hard work I put in. That's fine with me. And a yeah, lot of photos. I approve. Yeah. I'll, I need I'll some descendants that. that care about that stuff. <laughs> uh, they also have a uh, matter collapser or matter rearranger in this film, which uh, they don't know exactly what it does. It's, it's They talk about it a few times, and then it turns out that what it does is like basically it's like an instant replay device that mm-hmm. you can hit it and it takes you back 13 seconds in right. time. So do we have what, I mean, are matter collapsers a thing? Are matter re- like rearrangers a thing? Is that based on anything? This this really, like, I think was just pure, they needed deus ex machina at the end to finish the movie and let the good guys win. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I've, 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 so I've done, you know, presentations about the science of Galaxy Quest with other astrophysicists and like, we've put our heads together on this one and <laughs> can't get real far. Um, you know, one thing in theory, you know, if you have perfect knowledge of the system. So you know where, you know, every atom in the entire universe is and in which direction it's going and how fast you have, you know, that's perfect knowledge of the universe. You could then say, okay, I'm going to rearrange what's now that I know everything now to what it was 13 seconds ago. So in some very high level theoretical sense, if you had perfect knowledge, you're completely knowledgeable about everything in the whole universe. You could say, oh, I'm going to reconstruct it to some random other point where I also had perfect knowledge. Mm -hmm. So that's the one thing that you could kind of argue. But in that case, Tim Allen wouldn't remember that he had set this back and changes the outcome, which is the whole point of doing it. (laughs) So somehow by he's the one that triggers it. He still has his memory from those 13 seconds. So he's 13 seconds older than everyone else. Like, where did that go? It's unclear. So yeah, that one kind of 
it was a silly ending, yep. but you know, good guys win, and that's what's important, I guess. Sure. Wouldn't it be easier to just do mushrooms? I mean, <laughs> they all yes. just take yeah. mushrooms yes. at the end and wake up. Everything's yeah. fine. Right. So all of it was a dream in Tony Shalhoub's head the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Another amazing actor in this film. Yeah, it's true. There is a lot. Uh, you, you mentioned Dustin Long's his first film. Uh, Rain Wilson. Rain Wilson's same. first role. Yeah. Uh, oh, first. really? Uh, yeah. wow. Sam Rockwell is ridiculous oh in this film. Sam Rockwell is great in this movie. Yeah. Loved his uh, his part and also just completely forgot that he was in there yeah. at all. Yeah. Uh, man, they got a good cast. It was an impressive Guys, cast. I'm sold. I'm it was an impressive it. cast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then we'll go back 13 seconds and redo this podcast. There we go. Contribute. <laughs> um, okay, there's a there's a section with with magnetic mines uh, mm-hmm. where they're flying through a bunch. It's like a field of mines in space. Right. So one, do magnets work the same in space? And two, is that what explosions would look like in space? I know that like audibly, probably not. Mm-hmm. Right. That there's it wouldn't make like those huge explosion That's sounds. Right. Um, but yeah, what about the whole, I don't know, the way that they're placed and the way that they attract to, is that the same? Yeah, so so magnets in general work, work fine in space. You know, uh, the Earth has a magnetic field. That's why compasses work. So planets and stars have magnetic fields. Black holes have magnetic fields. And they... Some are much, much stronger than what we experience on Earth, but they're out there. We can measure it through various observations. So magnets certainly work in space. That's fine. Uh, explosions, you know, things can explode in space. The the visual aspect certainly is pretty reasonable. Okay. Um, yeah, because there's no uh, air, there's no air particles in space to carry the sound, unless you're right next to it or you have some source of... of air molecules, basically, it's not going to make a sound. So it will be silent Hmm. in the explosion, which almost every sci-fi movie gets wrong. Um, One of the J.J. Abrams uh, Star Trek movies, though, does that right occasionally. And so that's that's a good positive for that one as a side note. J.J., uh, I know you're listening. Well done. There you go. Good job. Um, So, yeah, so magnets work. The explosion is reasonable. The, The whole setting up this, like, minefield in space like first of all they show that it's like 3D it's like a cube of mines you know some kind of up down and and deep which makes sense because space is 3D but it can only be so big so I was like why don't they just go around it right like space is three dimensional oh totally and they show space around it yeah yeah so that was that was the thing that confused me every time I watched it it's just like they could just go a little bit further and not have to deal with this shit right okay yeah Uh, and then then the whole idea of they only they turn on and become magnetic which is a thing that's electromagnetic uh, electromagnets only when they're like near something which like that's how you would, mind yeah move. that makes sense okay but then they all just start chasing the ship not each other and so like a lot of the like the subtlety of this is a little confusing to me but yeah i like to rail on that scene because it's fun to watch and really like actiony but like the science is like they got like two-thirds of the way there and i was like fuck it we need to make it look cool which <laughs> yeah. can't fault them too hard i guess but no that's true i didn't even think about the fact that they would be magnetized towards each other that's very smart this conversation has gone way over my head. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll show you the scene after. It's a lot of fun. It makes way more sense if you've seen this, I promise. It hurts inside. It, uh, I feel pain inside. <laughs> it also features a really confident Tim Allen. It's the most confident he is in this film. He's that, like, that's the worst kind of Tim Allen. He's a, a confident Tim Allen, Tim Allen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's better when he's a like bumbling idiot. Yes. <laughs> it makes yes. more sense. <laughs> um, okay, I wanted to talk about where... Uh, we are now in the space age because they're at least like I have uh, that the last time we went to the moon was in 1972. Uh, last time humans were there, yeah, the late, right. And then and and so and now we have like SpaceX and like private f- companies mm-hmm. getting in the game. And so I was just curious as to like what you know how are we? What is the space exploration you know state of the union here? 
Does that make sense? In, in, lots of interesting choices of words. I'm surprised you didn't bring up Space Force, but we can we can discuss that. <laughs> I'm, well. We already discussed Trump. I'm trying to all stay right, away from right, it. It's right. hard for me. <laughs> uh, I'm trying my best, but but yeah, I don't know. It just seemed like for a long time it was it was NASA and it was you know we had like global mm-hmm. cooperation. Mm-hmm. And now when I hear about space news, it's kind of uh, I don't know. It's like I'm reading about Apple or something. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, since this movie came out in '99, there's just been you know. 20 years ago now, but it's been a huge shift in Worldwide space exploration and uh, U.S. specific, but uh, yeah, we haven't. You know, no human has been on the moon since since 1972. Uh, you know, in '99, the space shuttle program was still chugging along. It had had one major disaster, and that was it. Um, and then, you know, a few years later, there was a second disaster, and then their whole sh- fleet was. Uh, completely stopped and, and grounded, and so you know the International Space Station in the late '90s was was up and running, um, but not as many people were living on it at all times. So that's actually one thing that that has improved in the last 20 years is the the International Space Station is up there. Many many countries are funding you know putting people up there through Russian rockets because they're the only ones that can do that now. Mm-hmm. And that's a uh, that's a, why, why is that? Yeah. Uh, so the so the only other way to get up there used to be the space shuttle, and the oh. U.S. Retired the space shuttle fleet um, almost a decade ago now, maybe. Oh, I can't even remember. So is Russia selling rockets to other countries, or are they just are they putting their astronauts on Russian like marked? It's it's the latter. So the Russians have the rockets, they have the space capsules, uh, they put up Russian cosmonauts, and then because they're part of the International Space Station, they also take um, U- uh, U.S. astronauts and European Space Agency uh, oh, wow. astronauts as well. They train in uh, you know Kazakhstan and and these various places in Siberia with Russian facilities with the Russians. They sit on the Russian craft and then they go up to this International Space Station, which is you know owned by many countries and you know has pieces of from countries around the world. Wow. And that's a, it's a, that, it, like the Russian space program is like a government public uh, thing, or do they also have like an Elon Musk guy f- controlling stuff? So the, the one that's launching the, the people up, uh, Roscosmos, I believe is the name, uh, is the sort of NASA of Russia. So it's a okay. government agency. Okay. Um, it has civil servants, but also has military, et cetera, et cetera, just like NASA does pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a Russian, a couple of Russian billionaires who have thrown money at interesting projects involving SETI and, and trying to send stuff to other stars and things like that. Um, but as far as I know, nobody doing sort of private rocketry. The main players are, um, you know, Elon Musk and SpaceX, uh, and then uh, Richard Branson and Virgin Galactic actually has made some news recently. They've had some successes with some of their um, uh, flights of. Uh, what will be uh, crude capsules. So, you know, people can pay, I forget what it is, a few hundred thousand dollars to Virgin Galactic, and you don't get to orbit the Earth, but you go up into space to technically become an astronaut and come back down. Like, How long are they up in space? I don't remember. It's uh, sort of order of an hour, maybe, tens of minutes. An hour? That's all? Yeah. People wow. just have money to flush. And yeah, they've been, they've, so they've been selling these seats for many years now, and they just, in the last uh, couple of weeks, had a, a few, like, brand new tests of the, the capsules that were looking pretty promising. So, Oh, okay. As far as uh, you know, civilian spaceflight, that's definitely the side. NASA's never going to do that. Um, the cool collaboration, just the last thing I want to say, is that uh, for the International Space Station, the Russians are sending humans up. But as far as cargo and hardware and, and batteries and you know, lab rats, literal lab rats to test on and stuff like that, um, SpaceX has been doing a lot of that. And other private companies have contracts with NASA uh-huh. uh, and the Russian Space Agency and stuff. So they use the SpaceX rockets, put a bunch of you know, telescopes and hardware and batteries and laptops and all kinds of stuff, and launch that up to the space station. It docks with the space station and then sort of 
becomes property of the International Space Station, the international community at that point. But That's SpaceX cool. has these kinds of contracts ongoing. So their rockets are comparable to the Russian rockets that are? Uh, they're, they're smaller. Well, some are smaller, some are bigger. But uh, the one thing that they're, they're newer technology, they haven't been tested as much. And, you know, so people are less concerned, more concerned about putting humans on top of those newer right. rockets. They haven't gone through, you know, the rockets that the Russians are using basically are the same ones they used since the 60s. Wow. Uh, so the technology hasn't been tweaked. It's been really stable for the last 50, 60 so years. So that's why the world community kind of trusts that. Um, but it's like a, a Subaru, right? Or a <laughs> Saab. Yeah, somebody's Toyota, right? Uh, Lori Kilmartin, uh, she sponsors Saab and Subaru. <laughs> <laughs> I, I asked Cars you if choice. I could get, sneak those in, and uh, you forced me. I'm sorry. I didn't want to make it awkward, but uh, let's uh, roll that clip right now of Lori. Uh, <laughs> How do I work in Casper Mattress? That's all I'm thinking about right now. <laughs> I don't believe they're a sponsor, so uh, sleep on whatever you got. <laughs> Um, okay, I, I mean, I have a lot more of uh, space questions. I wanted to ask about retrograde. People make a big deal. This is just a <laughs> random space question I thought of today. That I don't know when Mercury's in retrograde, everybody's flipping out and they blame a bunch of stuff that's happened. Do you you know what I'm talking about? Do you yeah. believe in that? Do you subscribe? No, and I try to walk away from people who talk about it. Yeah, so do I. I so do yeah. I. It feels very silly to me. Yes. And I feel there's a, I don't know. So is that, is there any uh, basis? Like, does that check out at all? Or is that just people freaking out for no reason? I mean, so anything involving astrology or, you know, when Jupiter is in the house of Aquarius or Mars is in retrograde, uh, you know, that that has no scientific basis. It, it is, <laughs> you, you, you know, you have to be able to make a prediction and test it and falsify it or not. And vague predictions about you might have a good day because you were born on this date mm -hmm. don't have a scientific basis. Great. If people are interested, fine. But retrograde is an actual scientific thing. It means that the uh, planet appears to kind of travel backwards from the uh, vantage point of Earth. Okay. And so normally the planets, moon, stars, everything kind of goes the same direction. Every once in a while, some of the planets kind of look like they're going backwards relative to the other stars, relative to the constellations. So that's what retrograde means. Well, is there a, a word, a, an opposite word? Is it? Prograde. Oh, I've yep. never heard that before. Yeah. Prograde. Yeah. yeah it's, it, so it's, most planets are always in prograde? That's right. Oh. Yep. I'm going to blame my problems on the prograde. <laughs> that's right. There you go. <laughs> and so the retrograde, actually, it, it's, it's this kind of weird geometry set up that because all of the planets go around or orbit the sun and we are the third planet out, uh, you know, we are Third the, rock from the sun? That's right. The third yeah. rock from the sun. Uh, as Lori we, Kilmartin also uh, sponsoring Third Rock from the Sun. You can check it out. Probably Netflix or Hulu or Crackle. I'm not sure, I'm not, I'm not sure where to find it. Uh, it's this weird geometry that every once in a while some of the planets do appear to go backwards just because of the way that the orbits are lined up and they're at different speeds. Oh. And so that was one of the earliest reasons that people thought, oh, maybe we're not at the center because the geometry works out way nicer if you put the sun at the center and then the planet's going out from there and we're the third one. Right. And then it explains this weird we kind of see retrograde every once in a while. So that was one of these earliest things of like, maybe that earth in the middle thing is wrong. And the, the first person who said that was burned at a stake, right? Uh, many, many right? people. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah, going to yeah. say, yeah, probably thousands of people. They're they all Jews. that somehow. idea for a while. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, so yeah, if you're complaining about retrograde, uh, shut up. That's completely fake. Uh, an astrophysicist just said that. That's not go. me. Uh, and also, if you have uh, six figures to burn, don't go up into space for an hour. I think that's very silly. <laughs> 
and you know uh, contribute to a charity, help the food oceans. Bank, yeah. yeah, food bank. That sounds good. Um, any? I don't know. Is there something else you wanted to to ask this well of knowledge that's uh, sitting here? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, anything. You've got, you've got two minutes. Go. Doesn't have um, to be about space. <laughs> uh, well, let's see. Um, will would we be able to live on? Is, is there, you know, they keep finding Earths, like versions of Earths. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And, but they're so far away. There's no way we would ever actually be able to get to an Earth, right? Another Earth. I mean, so using current technology, we have no way. It would do, the fastest satellites that we've built would still take decades to get yeah. to these nearest systems that have other planets that might be Earth-like, that might have water, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, getting there is really, really hard. Um, if we invent some kind of new technology, if we figure out how to go through these wormhole yeah. black hole things. Yeah, we be things. beamed? Is that ever... Yeah. Yeah. You know, these are things that people are thinking about that, that you know, some of these, uh, you know, beaming technology or, or some of these stuff that you've read about in sci-fi, we can do with like individual atoms already in a lab. And so that's something you got to start somewhere. Wow. But, you know, the ability to get, you know, a person in a spaceship doing that is. A yeah, big I'm like at least 100 atoms. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Right? At least. Yeah. At least. <laughs> <laughs> but not more than 500. No, somewhere between. <laughs> also, why can't we ex- like extrapolate that and and <laughs> like warp a bunch of atoms? What's the issue here, man? Uh, the issue is that quantum physics takes over at the smallest, smallest scales, and once you get a little bit bigger than that, it all goes to shit. Oh. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> that's, that's, that's my two-minute quantum physics lecture. Okay. Well, we'll have we'll have you back, and we'll just talk about quantum physics oh, because sweet. I've seen a minimal amount of documentaries about it, but I am very interested because it makes no sense to me at all. It makes very little sense to most most scientists. But okay, it's all good. Uh, anything? We have like a plug section here at the end. Is there something people should see your monthly show? Yeah, people uh, in the San Francisco area come out to the Alamo Drafthouse Cinema uh, in the Mission. We're we're there once a month, uh, usually the third Monday of the month, but uh, check out their website. Uh, like I said, we show a movie, and then uh, my co-host and I talk about the science afterwards. You can order beer and food at your seat. It's a wow. good old time. We hang out in the bar afterwards and answer really weird questions from drunk patrons. And it's a Sounds good time. great. Yeah, it's fun. I'm going to come up just for that. <laughs> uh, and where can people find you on the internet? Uh, on the internet, uh, Twitter, J underscore M underscore Silverman. Okay. Uh, I was kind of late to the Twitter, so I have a bunch of underscores in my name. But <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm on there and yeah, post a lot of silly and interesting Sciencey, sci-fi stuff. Great. Okay, Lori, you have a book. I, I wrote a book about my dad dying. It's called "Dead People Suck," <laughs> and it's a comedy memoir about cancer and hospice and grief and funerals. Um, I have a podcast with Jackie Cation called "The Jackie and Lori Show," and I'm currently locked out of my Twitter account for I, violation. Yes. <laughs> I just heard about. This. I might come back, <laughs> but if I if I do return, it's A N Y N E Lori sixteen. Okay. A N Y L A U R I E sixteen. And and obviously, I'm going to ask you why you got kicked out of this, Twitter. This is the tweet uh, based on some uh, some people saying no to me in comedy because it was some old men who were like, she's too blue. It's like, no, I'm not. And they love these. Uh, whatever. OK. So I just all I tweeted was very generic. I'm so tired of waiting for old men to die. <laughs> that was it. That's, that's it. That's it. Yeah. I feel like there's wow. so much worse shit that's oh, yeah. tweeted out all too. the time. I do, too. I, I feel like there's guys at Twitter that don't understand female sarcasm. Right. Yeah. Maybe they're more threatened. Uh, I don't know. Or they just see the word die and go, oh, okay, it's got it. You know, you, yeah. you need people to read that stuff. 
You know what I mean? Definitely. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, your whole book's about it. Yeah. So <laughs> I think that's going to help a ton of people buy her book. And also uh, tweet out right now, hashtag free Lori. <laughs> uh, she's in Twitter jail right now. I and am. I do not appreciate that at all. Uh, thank five you. Five blocks from Twitter right now. We're what? Five blocks from Twitter. Five blocks? Oh, from like the headquarters? Yeah. Oh, wow. Let's march, guys. Yeah. There's four of us. Let's and there was a it. protest already going on. We yeah, could just... let's hook up Perfect. with these pro-lifers. I'm sure we got lots to talk about. <laughs> well, and the anti-lifers, you know? Let's get them all together. All together. <laughs> Go on down to Twitter. Um, thank you guys for joining me. I hope Thanks. you had a good time. I had a great time. And we'll see you next time. Yay. Uh-huh. Yeah, thank you. Bye. Bad Science is hosted and produced by me, Ethan Edinburgh. Our social media producers are Kate Baker and Edward Gullett. And the executive pro Rickman RIP deucer is Brett Kushner. You're going to want to follow us on Instagram at Bad Science Show. That's at Bad Science Show on Instagram. And please leave us an iTunes review when you get the chance, letting us know how we're doing on the pod. And if you'd like us to do any other films, that'd be great. Next week, we're going to be talking about Sunshine, which is a fantastic movie. So make sure you watch it by Tuesday and I'll see you later. Bye.